Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. Hey there, Sarah Shaw here with another episode of Get a Street Smart MBA. And I'm here today with Bruce Gifford, who's a fourth generation apparel designer, so he's no stranger to fabrics and textiles. Bruce started importing knitwear from the Far East in the early 1980s and has made close to 200 trips to Asia since then. For the past 15 years, Bruce has concentrated on cashmere. After starting and selling his first company, Sweater.com, and then launching 360 Sweater, that now sells primarily cashmere products to virtually every luxury retailer in the world. With six offices in the U.S., three in Canada, five in Europe, and one in Korea, Bruce is slowly changing the world of cashmere. The never-tired entrepreneur, Bruce has recently launched two direct-to-consumer brands, Naked Cashmere and Naked Curves for the plus-size market. So Bruce, welcome. Really glad to talk to you today. Oh, nice to talk to you, Sarah. So, you know, I was reading in your, about you, and you're obviously fourth-generation entrepreneur, you know, in the apparel business. At least. Business. We don't know if it At goes least, through the right. Back. That's as far right. back as we've been able to track the family tree so far. Yeah, which is so cool. And so, so did you kind of get drafted into fashion by your dad or your grandfather, or did you just naturally kind of fall into it yourself? No, that's a good question. I think you mm-hmm. get drafted into it. I don't think there's any, you know, with parents and children, I'm not sure how much the child makes the choices. Sometimes uh, uh, you get pulled in certain directions that you're not even aware you're being pulled and suddenly you're in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the business was something we knew about. You know, it's what dinner conversation was about. My father had a large uh, career apparel company in the 60s and 70s when, uh, women were re-entering the workforce after the war, and suddenly career apparel became a, a, a big segment of the market. And that's where he started opening collections and built a very big business. I ended up working for him. After graduating college, I went to work for a department store. Uh, again, not necessarily by my own choice, but the, you know, the people we were friendly with. I had a department store president call me while I was in college. Well, who gets that? asking me to to join his store. Um, (laughs) Right. So, yeah, you know, I may think it was my own choice, but I'm not so sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just the way my son, who graduated in 2009, December 2009, or December 2008, right at the height of the financial collapse, uh, there were no jobs. Nobody was interviewing at uh, any of the UCs. So he came... He asked if he could get a job, and now he's in his probably close to eighth or tenth year with the company. So the same way he, you get started, um, and that's where you, you end up. It's what you know the best. Exactly. What's well, funny because when I, um, I went to college to be – I was a French lit major, and I stumbled into costume design, and I never knew my father's 
parents because they died right before I was born, and my grandmother was a fashion designer and did bathrobes and uh, peignoir sets in the 20s through the 60s in New York City. But I just heard stories about her. I was named after her, and I somehow, you know, I stumbled into costume design and thought it was really fun and then, you know, ended up getting into fashion myself. And so sometimes I think it can be... It can be in your blood. I mean, at least you knew your family. <laughs> you, you had people well, not, helping, no, I didn't. helping you. I didn't. Well, your dad. My, my, I knew my dad, and I knew my yeah. mom, uh, but my grandfather uh, died in the 1929 or 1930. Mm, okay. But he was key in the garment center. He had a very interesting career from what little we know about it. But he was one of – there was a group of eight gentlemen – that actually moved the Garment Center from the Lower East Side to its current location uh, just, out, just uh, south of Times Square. And he mm-hmm. was one of the guys that did that. They bought or built, I guess, uh, close to a dozen buildings, and they became you know, what's now the Garment Center. The Garment District, yeah. yeah. So, so did you, like growing up you know, with your dad having his apparel company, did you kind of get training in fashion along the way, or did you just kind of you know, learn on the fly while you were working? Well, no, I don't think a, a, a child gets actual training in their parents' profession. I think it's the conversation of the dinner table. Mm-hmm. If your mother owns a store and your father owns a company, you're talking about what colors are doing well, what styles are doing well, if they're going into fall market or spring market, where those terms may not mean anybody to anybody outside the industry. You know, it's what we grew up with. We knew, you know, mm-hmm. that you know, uh, fall opens in February, March, and that spring opens in September, October. That's just part right. of your common knowledge. So I it's think kind it of like it, by you know, osmosis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So how did you end up deciding to launch sweater.com? Well, we had another company that we started in 2002 uh, under the corporate name of sweater.com. And we had online businesses that crashed during the first internet crash, and then we formed the company as a traditional apparel company with brands underneath it, and it grew very quickly, and we sold it to a New York Stock Exchange company in 2006. That company did not make it through the financial crisis. They were the largest uh, uh, producer of men's tailored clothing in the United States. Obama Mm -hmm. was inaugurated in one of their suits the day they filed for bankruptcy. So it, <laughs> the, co- the company, uh, in, a year later when the company was sold, that released us from our non-compete. And Got we it. saw it coming and we went right back into business. Liter- yeah. Literally, we found out the company was sold on a Friday uh, and I had 24 hours before I would be released. Uh, if they didn't rehire me, they didn't rehire me. So by Tuesday morning, we were already in new offices. <laughs> and when you say we, is that you and your wife, Leslie? It was myself, my wife, Leslie, and then we and a marketing director. We had a marketing director move with us from the old company. Got it. And this is when you started 360 Cashmere? This is when we started 360 in, in 2000, uh, August of 2009. Got it. And so I know that Leslie plays a big role in designing and, um, and you know, helping you get this, the sweaters made and all of that. What, what's her background in that? I mean, did she just kind of 
come along for the ride and learn along the way, or did she have any? No, no, she has a uh, she has a very similar background than I do. Her family was in the uh, shoe business, mm. so they were in uh, slippers and and espadrille that kind of business. Uh, they, at one time, they were the largest manufacturer of slippers in the United States. Uh, and then the market moved overseas, and they didn't want to do that, and they closed their business mm-hmm. about the same time we got married. Uh, Leslie never worked there. She came out of Saks Fifth Avenue. She was in the Saks training program and out of college and then a buyer for Saks. And when I met her, she was a small leather goods buyer at Saks. So she had okay. a lot of background in the business. Right. She's yeah. now president. She's now, she does have a big job here. She's now president of the company. Uh, and creative director. And she's awesome. got a, yeah, she's got a great design staff. We have about six designers here that, that report to her. Um, but I guess now as pre- she was made president about sometime in 16. Now everybody reports to her, so it's, it's, it's good for her. That's and great. She, and she's great at it. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of go back a little bit and, and talk about like some of the big mistakes that you guys made in the beginning and things that you, you know, just fumbled over, it, you know, if you did. I mean, most people make mistakes. And kind of how you muddled through it um, to, to turn things around and come out the other side. Well, and it may have been with sweater.com because you might have made all the mistakes there before you got the 360. Actually, I made my mistakes earlier in my career. I don't consider anything with either Sweater.com or 360 Sweater to be a real uh, mistake. Either that or I consider everything to be in the, a mistake. And I'm really, <laughs> as, a, as a CEO, I'm really there mitigating mistakes all day long, mm-hmm. assuming almost everything is a mistake. We're just trying to uh, make everything better. Right. I never look at everything as being exactly the way I want it to be. So we're always in a, you know, we're always coming out with a new collection. Every 12 weeks we've got a new collection. So uh, you don't have much time to think about what you did right. It's more what you, what you can do better. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. No, that's a sure. good way of thinking about it. Um, uh, yeah, I make mistakes every day. There's something I could have done better. You know, uh, this year we try, we've, we've, made a huge investment by going into the direct-to-consumer business with Naked Cashmere. And uh, you mentioned Naked Curves. That's probably something we're not going to go forward with. It was, okay. it turned out to be, you know, that's, that's an example of, uh, in hindsight, a mistake. Right. Fail forward. Know, know what yeah. a mistake is and move on. Yeah. We realized we did not, we thought, you know, we know how to make cashmere sweaters as well as anybody in the world. We think better. Um, and we thought we understood the plus size customer and we don't, we made great product, but we don't know how to reach her. Mm. So, um, you know, she doesn't necessarily lead a different style than a non plus size customer. Right. And we've had panels of plus size girls trying to talk to us, but it's just a market we don't know about and it did not do well for us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so that's a mistake, but would I do it again? Probably. (laughs) Because you're an entrepreneur. At the time, 
at the time we made made the decision because all the analytics we were getting from Google and Google Search and the other search engines was that the conversion rate for this customer was extremely high. If you market to a plus size customer, they'll they'll be attracted to your uh, advertising and uh, more so than a regular size customer. Mm-hmm. So we thought that mm-hmm. would that would work out great for us, and it just didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, better learn now than to be years and years into it and find that it's or stick with it and find that it's not working. Yeah, um, you know, the good part about this business is most of your successes and and failures you find out very quickly. Right. True. True. So on 360 Cashmere, do you guys? Um, I, I know you sell online as well, but are you selling? your own collections online, or do you, is that what you sell to other luxury retailers as well as private label? Well, our, we have, we have uh, two wholesale divisions, 360 Cashmere and Skull Cashmere. And those two collections we sell to uh, about 500 stores in the U.S. and maybe another 500 stores out of the U.S. Maybe it's a little more than that, but somewhere between 1,000 and 1,200 retailers worldwide. Then we but under have your own label, under 360 Cashmere yeah. and Skull Cashmere. Okay. We also do a limited amount of private label. It's not a business that I particularly enjoy. I actually I do enjoy it, which is the only reason we do it. It's a low mm-hmm. margin. Uh, business that we do to accommodate certain retailers, and it's very, uh, it's it, it's a very small business for us um, compared to the others. But you know, for instance, uh, Bloomingdale's has an in-house brand called Aqua, right? And we and we supply a lot of the cashmere for Aqua sweaters, and it's it we do it because we like the people at Bloomingdale's, we like their management, and we have a great relationship. So even though private label isn't a business we love, we do it for them. We do the same thing with Saks uh, mm-hmm. and do some private label with them. But it's not an area that we particularly go after. We Got turn it. down more requests for private label uh, than programs we end up running forward with. Got it. So do you guys do, do you keep all your sales in-house to all these stores that you sell to? No, or do no. You... Actually, also those two divisions, 360 Cashmere and Skull Cashmere, also are sold online under that site, under the 360 Cashmere or Skull Cashmere right. website. Uh, right. And they have uh, a nice e-commerce business. We've developed uh, uh, a good, loyal base of, of people that buy, uh, buy those brands online. Uh, separate from that, we opened a completely different product line for Naked Cashmere. It's on its own timing, right. its own products. And those are only sold... That brand is only sold direct to consumers. So you can only buy that right. brand at, on, online at one of our pop-up stores, and we do have one store in Malibu, a freestanding store. Oh, great. Store. Yeah. Great. And so, but with your 360 Cashmere, you wholesale, you said, to hundreds of stores, right? right. Um, and right. do you guys do all those sales yourselves in-house, or do you job that out to a rep, or how do you guys handle sales? Combination. We have a showroom in New York, and out of that show, the, a corporate showroom, and we probably do 50% of our sales out of that. We also have in the U.S. five repping relationships with multi-line 
showrooms. So we mm-hmm. show in all the uh, major territories in the U.S., Los Angeles, Dallas, Chicago, Atlanta, Boston, and then New York we cover in-house. Uh, then we have a distributor in Canada uh, with three showrooms in Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. We have a distributor in Seoul, Korea, and we have a distributor in London who has sub-reps working uh, in showrooms in uh, Italy, Paris, Germany, Benelux countries, and Nordic countries. So we have five. So the distributor in London has five sub-reps under her. Got it. But, but the so goods that, is all so shipped that, to the stores through a distribution center in London. Got it. Okay. Um, and did you, when you first started, um, when you had sweater.com way back when, did you sell to stores under that brand as well, or did you guys only sell online? No, no. The online, it was too early for online. This was, you know, uh, 15 years ago. Uh, yeah. Online business was just starting computer connection. We were still up in dial-up era. You know, with, yeah. <laughs> uh, this was in the AOL and Prodigy days. Uh, right. And no buyers no, we, were on we had, we, anyway. had brand, we had brand names under sweater.com that we sold under. Got uh, it. Okay. Some, and the fastest growing of them were cashmere brands. So got it, it was what kind of got us focused on cashmere uh, in 2002, 2003. Did, has PR played a big role for you guys with your brands along across the board? No, but now it does. Um, up until this year, PR wasn't that important because we were using retailers to sell our goods. So mm-hmm. if I'm selling to Saks and Bloomingdale's um, or great specialty stores, then PR isn't as important because the stores are driving the sales. Once mm-hmm. we got the online business with Naked Cashmere, you've got to get people to find your store. You open a, right. It's like opening a store in, somewhere in the galaxy and You're no right, one knows where to find it. Yeah, right. Um, so PR has been extremely important for the last six, mo- for this, you know, the last six months since we opened mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And do you guys do any celebrity seeding, like get products to celebrities or do anything yeah. like that or just yeah. traditional we have PR? A, no, no, no. We do traditional PR. We do influencer, blogger, celebrity seedings. We have, you know, the Malibu store gives us pretty good access to influencers and celebrities. Right, right. So, so yeah, um, we do a lot of that. We launched our first campaign uh, for the, with Kate Moss, and that, of course, created a lot of... Uh, buzz. Press, yeah. buzz. Right. Uh, and we do a lot of great photography. Uh, so yeah, so the PR is very, very important. It's more so, you know, especially in the in the uh, direct to consumer businesses. That's how right. the, you know you want people to come to the store. You got to get in front of them. Yeah, has having the PR for Naked Cashmere kind of pushed some of the PR onto 360 as well, or are they just totally separate? A little bit. You know, uh, suddenly everybody notices the company because we're experts in cashmere. Mm-hmm. So we've taken our little niche. Um, and really expanded on it. So, you know, that we're one of the, I don't know if we're the biggest cashmere, branded cashmere sweater collection in our price range, but we're close. Um, so I think it's important. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that that some of it spills over to 360 and Skull Cashmere. Uh, In parts of it, certainly with the celebrity uh, and influencer uh, seatings, that's important for all divisions. Mm -hmm. And 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 like as if celebrities come out in a magazine wearing one of your products, do you see a huge boost to sales like that weekend or... No, no, it's very, it's, it's, I can only think of one time that we had a, uh, a meaningful uh, celebrity spotting that really drew a lot of attention. Cara Delevingne and Michelle Rodriguez were at a Nick game in New York, sitting on the floor, um, mm-hmm. making, making out, and, and, <laughs> and smoking something on the floor of the Nick game. And uh, either Michelle or Kara, I forget, one of them was wearing a skull print sweater that was like our logo sweater. We had nothing to do with it. We don't know where they got the sweater from. And it was picked up in every every newspaper in the world. So So that was really big. And we had just launched Skull Cashmere as a standalone brand within a relatively short period. So it really helped launch that whole brand. Everyone was aware of it. So that, other than that, other than that, it doesn't really, no matter how big the celebrity or how big the exposure, it doesn't make that big a difference. Mm-hmm. And do you guys do a lot of marketing with that? Like, do you do a lot of, obviously with an, uh, with an e-commerce store, like Naked Cashmere, that you're fully dependent on the e-commerce part of it. Um, do you guys do a lot of um, emails to your clients? I mean, like how often do you guys email your customer list and do you stick out, you know, put out stuff like, hey, so-and-so celebrity or we're in this magazine? Oh. Do you guys pr- in, do you promote that a lot? Yeah, we do. Uh, boy, I'm not even sure. I think we, we send emails three times a week. We're mm-hmm. shooting photography. I think we do probably 30 or 40 days. So we're getting to, sh- I, I, last year, we're getting close to shooting almost every week. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to keep, it's a very content-driven environment we're in now. And it's not, mm-hmm. you know, for magazine ads. It's all for uh, social media and, you know, what we distribute to our mailing list. Mm-hmm. And speaking of social media, do you guys count on that a lot? Do you use it a yeah. lot to drive business? Yeah. Yeah, Instagram and, and Facebook are still huge at converting and bringing in new customers. And yeah, we're, we're posting. I would imagine. They may post every day on those sites. Uh, I'm sure, mm-hmm. I know the Instagrams post every, at least once mm-hmm. or twice a day. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Facebook also posts every day. Mm-hmm. And so some are sponsored your... ads and some are just under the, you know, under the normal way you put out something out. The, the post, yeah. Yeah. Uh, your status. <laughs> Um, so what, um, what is your job these days? I mean, I know you're CEO, but what does that, what does that encompass for you? Well, no, that's a good job. My favorite question to ask somebody, you know, even friends of mine is, uh, what does your day look like? Yeah. I know what you do, but what do you do when you you walk in the door of the office? What do you actually do? And it's amazing how many people cannot answer that question. Oh, yeah, I can. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? Can you answer it? Yeah, I sp- it seems like I spend my whole day answering emails, trying to catch up to the email mm-hmm. 
if, if I can leave the day with an empty mailbox, I feel so satisfied. Uh, mm-hmm. It's totally out of control. It's going to be something that's going to be looked into, I'm sure, in the next few years. People are just getting buried in group emails. Um, yeah. But my job specifically is uh, uh, production, coordinating our designers and our what we call our TA plans, which is our time and action calendar, uh, for making sure our collections open on time, um, and then when we the collections open, when we get our production on time, how we're buying the cashmere yarn, how we're knitting it, how we're dyeing it, uh, so that we have the most time to get sales information before we have to actually start production. Mm-hmm. On the you know, it's one of the harder parts about e-commerce is e-commerce, you decide what people want, you put it in the store. Right. And for the wholesale business, stores come in and order, and then you cut, make it for them. Right. So it's very important on the wholesale business to make sure you know, you're ordering the goods in time, that the, the collection's open on time, so it gives you enough time to produce it for you know, a specific delivery. So right. that's the most important thing that I, I probably do. Uh, I also am the final eye on merchandising our whole collections. I've turned that over 90% to Leslie, but I still uh, take like part to throw in all your 5% final. In. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, what we do is uh, we make a final trip. to we, we go to Hong Kong. I go four times a year, and the trips are in pairs. So the first trip, we get all of our – we put in our direction and our designs – and then eight or ten weeks later, I go back to Hong Kong with Leslie, and we decide what we're going to keep. They've made what we've requested, and then we try mm-hmm. to extract from that and pull what we want on the line. Right. Um, it's the so fun part important. and the hard part. Yeah, it's also, you know, we decide to, you know, opening Naked Cashmere was my project, getting the division opened. All of our uh, uh, licenses and, and domains and intellectual property – uh, you know, I manage in, you know, at the highest levels, I manage everybody's budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's 90% of what I do. Yeah. That's a so lot. My day, yeah, my day is, is spent, you know, the emails back and forth to Hong Kong. Uh, I do talk to our sales force from time to time in more of a social environment, and they talk to, you know, more of the salespeople. You know, mm-hmm. managing our offices, we now have... One, two, three, four, five, I think six different properties that we're, that we're, have offices in. So we're mm-hmm. just kind of you know, managing that and deciding where our long-term growth is going to be. Yeah. Um, do, do you, <laughs> you, wow, that is, I don't know how you make it through a day. Um, do, you, do you guys do completely separate lines for the two businesses or do you, sometimes tweak something from 360 and say, oh, this would be great for naked cashmere or back and forth, or do you just make sure that they're like, have nothing to do with each other? No, they're, uh, they're born from a common DNA. So we're doing a lot of tweaking. You know, we'll take a style that was on 360 and we'll change the stitches or change the shape or, or mm-hmm. um, but we try to look for direction. 360 is really what provides the direction for naked because we're mm-hmm. showing because that of the line. wholesale yeah you know we right now we opened our fall collection in january and i just finished production 
putting everything into production this week. Um, so now we, we haven't even looked at fall for uh, naked yet because it's later. Okay. You know, Got fall it. we right. start. Because it's yeah, last we open minute. it now. We start shipping in July. July right. I, can't, I don't want to start putting fall in our e- e-com store in July. I want to wait till August. So I have right. more time. It's more of a e-com is more uh, buy now, wear now. Right. Exactly. Right. Whereas your people want something, is, they go online, they get it two days later. Boom. There's exactly. That. Yes. They don't need to order and, in July for something that they're going to wear right. in October. October, exactly. Do you guys do um, any kind of uh, focus groups or things to help you distill down what, what's going to work online? No. I mean, I, no. you just kind of go with what your gut is. Yeah, you know, we're in the – but it's not really our gut. You know, we are in the stores all the time, and we're communicating with, you know, management, whether it's at Saks or Bloomingdale's or Nordstrom. Uh, plus we talk to a lot of our key specialty stores. So we have a pretty good idea. We think we have a, a better idea of what the customer is going to want in six months than the customer even knows that they want. Mm-hmm. Got it. You know, color direction, uh, we're getting from all of our, you know, we work with all the color services. So that goes through mm-hmm. all divisions. So we see, right. we see you know, the st- working with a customer is like working with a store. They're great at telling you what they sold last year, what they bought last but they're not very good at telling you what they're going to like next season. Right, because they haven't seen it yet. <laughs> they haven't seen it, and yeah. they don't know. You know, uh, right. like this year, nude colors became the strongest range of colors we're all in these pinks and nudes. I don't think a lot of people knew that two years ago that they were going to be wearing those colors. Right. Exactly. Right, because they're, they're not looking at all the advanced uh, right and suddenly you know we all buy every brand whether it's from the designer brands to the less expensive brands to private label brands we all buy the same color services Mm -hmm. so we're all getting our color directions uh in a similar way so you know what happens is you know suddenly a customer starts seeing these uh new ranges of colors and they get used to it and then they have it you know available for them to buy but they didn't know six months ago they were going to like that Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, I, re- I remember when I had my accessory line using all those color services as well. <laughs> it was yeah. great. Um, it really gives you an insight into everything. Uh, well, Bruce, thank you so much for sharing about your business and your life, and um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. Sure. I have one comment for entrepreneurs out there. Yeah. Be an, ex- be an expert at something. Whatever you decide to do, it doesn't really matter. Just be the best at it. And it makes it, a, it, a not, really... it makes it a lot more fun. There is, there is a lot to be said for the 10,000-hour rule. It's, it's the real deal. Yeah, I totally agree, and thank you for sharing that. That's it. Yeah, well, all right. We'll catch you on the, on the far end. Can't wait to see your next selection. Thanks for joining all right. me today. All right, no problem. It was fun. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to A Street Smart MBA with Sarah Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime, anywhere. And we'll see you on the next one.